0: Welcome to the podcast, a spin off of Gab with Pab, where Pab weighs in on the latest films and television. This week, I'm reviewing Skinnemarink. This is a spoiler review, so if you'd like to stay spoiler free, click the link in this episode's show notes to be taken to my spoiler free review. Skinnemarink is an experimental, slow cinema, lo fi horror film from writer director Kyle Edward Ball. It's the feature-length adaptation of his short film, Heck, from 2020, which was a Video Scream International Film Festival official selection. The premise is simple. A four-year-old boy named Kevin and his six-year-old sister Kaylee wake up one night in their house to find that their parents have vanished. This is after a not-so-subtle dialogue drop of their father on the phone mentioning that Kevin fell and hit his head while sleepwalking, but he's fine now. The children search for their parents unsuccessfully and then discover that the external doors and windows of the house have started disappearing. Trapped in the house and with no one else but each other, they hunker down in front of the comfort of their living room TV to watch cartoons. But then an unfamiliar voice starts calling to them from the darkness. That's the plot of Skinner Marink, but the real selling point is how the film is shot. Most of the runtime of Skinner Marink is long, fixed perspective shots of innocuous interiors. One scene might just be fixated on the corner of a room ceiling until a light fixture turns on. Other shots feature the legs of the kids toddling around while they navigate the darkness. Almost all of the sparse dialogue comes in subtitle whispers from the children. We almost never see anyone's face. The intention is to evoke the feeling of a child's nightmare with a low-to-the-ground perspective of a dark, empty home, which might as well be alien. Think back to when you were four years old, just really coming into consciousness and personhood and what it felt like to navigate the house your parents had furnished, especially in the darkness. There was something foreign about it, something vaguely coercing and menacing. Maybe there was an armchair that always creeped you out, or a coat rack that cast a weird shadow. The word that keeps getting thrown around for this film by critics and film students is liminal, mostly owing to the internet trend of liminal spaces, which are eerie transitional locations like hallways and entryways. But the actual meaning of liminal is appropriate as it applies to rite of passage in a transitional period in human development. A film trying to evoke this feeling for a child is really novel. Ball crowdsourced the film's childhood nightmare scares from Reddit, noting that most people's fears at that age were similar and involved being trapped and unable to find their parents. Unfortunately, Skinamarink's approach to achieve this helpless feeling is divisive. I found myself miserable sitting through scenes where nothing really happened until an extremely loud crash transitioned to the next uneventful scene. I've come to appreciate earned jump scares. Skin and Marink maybe earns one or two of its many attempts to break the monotony. The final 15 to 20 minutes, though, are very compelling and almost make up for their journey to get there. I'm certain that the final shot will go down as an all-timer and will get memed to hell once it's no longer a spoiler. If you're not down for spoilers, hit pause now and come back once you've seen the film, or go check out my spoiler-free version of this review. I've seen different versions of the plot synopsis floating around online, but here's how I saw the spoilery events of Skin and Marink. The scary disembodied voice calling out to Kevin and Kaylee, and disappearing objects make them fortify themselves downstairs. Kaylee ventures upstairs to her parents' bedroom and sees her father sitting on the edge of the bed. He tells her to look under the bed, and she does, but she doesn't see anything. When she stands up, she now sees her mother sitting on the other side of the bed facing away from her. She tells Kaylee her parents love her and Kevin so much, and then she vanishes. Her father is also gone. Kaylee goes back downstairs, but is called to by the voice. When Kevin goes looking for Kaylee, he finds her, but her mouth and eyes are gone. Scary. Kevin hides in the living room, and the voice calls out to him that it wants to play. The kitchen drawer opens, and the voice tells Kevin to put a knife in his eye. Surely he's not gonna... He he doesn't! He puts the knife in his eye! Kevin puts the knife in his eye. He calls 911 and manages to get through, but he's unable to give the dispatcher any info that would help them find him. The phone is then transformed into a toy phone by the voice, with a face on it, to taunt Kevin. The voice tells Kevin that it can do anything and then proceeds to loop a cartoon on the TV of a rabbit making itself disappear. The voice makes a toy in real life disappear in sync with that cartoon. The voice then tells Kevin that he took Kaylee's mouth and eyes because she didn't do as she was told and she begged for her parents. It tells Kevin to come upstairs. When Kevin does, he sees that the house has been altered and he's now on the ceiling. He enters the bedroom and sees that everything is now in a vast void. 572 days pass. It's clear now that this is hell. Kevin relives the murder of his sister and sees her blood splatter on the floor repeatedly. Kevin ventures further into the darkness. The final shot of the film is just grainy darkness until the indistinct outline of a featureless adult face slowly emerges. It never comes into focus. It tells Kevin to go to sleep. Kevin asks it for its name. It never responds. The inference here, at least for me, is that Kevin has been tormented by some permutation of the devil himself named Skinnamarink. Skinnamarink being the made-up word from a children's show from the 80s called The Elephant Show. The ending was so appealing to me that I went back to watch Heck. I found that the 30-minute runtime suited this concept much better, and the short accomplished its mission in a much more affecting way, without the unearned jump scares. It, however, does not explore the idea of a sinister entity like Skinnamarink, And is missing the mean-spiritedness. It's already apparent that Marink is going to be a divisive Warshak test. I appreciate what it set out to do, but ultimately think the short did it better. I give Marink two and a half pabs out of five, and I give Heck three and a half pabs out of five. You've been listening to the podcast. You can expect new reviews when new blockbusters or horror films hit the theaters. And let me know on social what films you'd like to hear me talk about at probably. That's P-A-B-A-B-L-Y. Thanks for listening.